You know the old trope, you're going to pull in this automation or this new tech uh, and get back to doing the higher value things. Has that ever actually happened? Has that, like, that's never been my experience. Uh, my experience is I automate that task and then I actually just do more of the same and like bring on another client or something. I had a conversation about this recently that I wanted to pull onto the podcast. Please welcome COO of Boomer Consulting, Ariana Campbell. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, we're talking change management and how to actually get intentional about the change you want to see on the other side of change on the other, other side. No, what you want to do on the other side. Okay, come. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Uh, come on in. Ariana, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be on the podcast. Can you give us like the the 30 second intro, who you are, what you do, what gets you pumped? Absolutely. So Ariana Campbell, shareholder and COO at Boomer Consulting. Um, I've been with Boomer for about 15 years now. My primary areas where I focus both internally and externally are on people, process and change. And what I really enjoy doing is finding the intersection of those three areas together. So how can we really build effective processes within firms to help our people to be successful? But with that, it requires so much managing of change Ugh. to be able to do it effectively. And so really helping firms also understand that that's a continuous improvement journey. It's not meant to be a place that you arrive to, but it's something that you always are working on is really how I spend the majority of my time. Bless the hearts of the people helping accountants through change management. Oh my gosh. It is so true. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, I, my background is a small firm guy and I kind of sort of know what Boomer is, but honestly, not really. Could you do like a 30 second intro of what Boomer Consulting looks like today also? Absolutely. So at Boomer Consulting, we work exclusively with accounting firms and we help them to focus on five key areas. So leadership, talent, technology, process, and growth, because those are the five areas that are critical to firm success. And we need to have those areas working together well. We can't just focus on things within different silos. So um, we help them in a couple of different ways. The first way is through consulting and a lot of focus on strategy. Um, but our biggest area of focus is our peer communities. Oh. So we have a number of peer communities that are focused on each of those areas, bringing uh, leaders from different areas in the firms together to um, really focus on how they can accelerate the success of their firms. And then we also do training. So uh, we've been around for more than 25 years, again, focusing, focusing exclusively on accounting firms and really, again, enjoy helping firms to be future ready and really making sure that they're going to be sustainably successful. I love that. I'm a big peer group guy. What is the, what is like the average demographic of the type of firm that's doing stuff with Boomer? Yep. So we help firms primarily in the top 300, um, looking at our different communities, really how uh, we have firms of a variety of sizes, depending on the community. But in some cases, it's focused on firms that maybe you might think of as larger size, some midsize, some small size. But then in other cases, it's how can those different size firms work together? Cool. Um, as far as roles, it varies. Like I said, for our communities, we have, um, I think we're up to 10 different communities. So we have a managing partner community, CIO, learning and development, 
talent, marketing and business development, operations. We cover all of the different areas of the firm, but one of our main goals is bringing those different firm leaders from those different firm sizes together to be able to learn from each other. Because quite frankly, with all of the exciting stuff that's happening in the profession, we're better together. As you said, you're a big peer group person. Um, We can't figure it out alone, right? So being able to gather with your peers is huge. I love that. I love that that's happening in like bigger firm universe also. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So you and I bumped into each other in New York. Where, what was that? Was that a startup accelerator thing? It was the AICPA executive Executive round table. table. We were hanging out in New York city and the focus was on AI, if you recall. So there were different, uh, uh, vendors, solution providers within the profession sharing their solutions and how they're focusing on AI. Yep. Okay. So you said something when when we were chatting that like stopped me in my tracks because it was such a nice framing of something that I thought a lot about, but like you expressed it in like such a more elegant way than I was able to. Uh, but like this notion that by default... When you eliminate a task or you simplify a process or something like that, what are you going to do with that free time? Like, if you're not intentional about that, you actually just go do more of the same. But there's sort of this assumption that we're going to do something better, but that usually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, where have you, I don't know, where have you bumped into that in the wild? And how does that impact how you approach change management with firms? That is such a big question. But... um I think if we look briefly at the evolution of process, I know that may seem strange, but the evolution of process within the accounting profession, to me, it's been a really interesting journey that gets us to this question about what are you going to do with the capacity that you create, and then how do you manage change effectively? So I've been doing process improvement for a while now with firms where I go into firms and help them improve. Maybe it's their tax process or their audit process, client accounting services, um, in a large scope of how can we truly look to not just optimize, but to transform that process. And it's been really interesting to see the evolution of firms really first approaching us to um, back in the day to answer the question, how can we be more efficient? Mm -hmm. So really, how can we work faster? That was the question. How can we focus on changing our realization numbers? And that was all the rage. Efficiency was all the rage. But now as we're seeing firms really looking to leverage more automation, more AI, more things like that, the two pieces of process improvement that are really important are not only the efficiency, but the consistency. Because if you're looking to uh, to leverage automation and AI and things like that, you need to have a consistent process because it's difficult, if not impossible, to automate an inconsistent process. And so now firms are approaching us. Really, um, they've they've tapped into the ways through using their existing technology that they can be more efficient. But they're asking now, how can we make our processes more consistent so that we can leverage these different uh, resources that are available to us? So with that, what we're finding is that even if you make your processes more consistent, but you don't have an answer to what you're going to do with the capacity, you really don't end up making significant change. And so the question isn't to start with asking, what do we want to automate necessarily? The question that we find firm, the way that we find firms to be more successful is by first answering the question, what are you going to do with the capacity that you create? Because if you do that, if you answer that question, you're most likely going to create a better strategy 
to automation and leveraging technology, which is then going to feed into better change because there's a purpose behind why we're doing this. It's just not another technology implementation or new bells and whistles or what are we doing with this? If we can rally around the why of what are we going to do with the capacity we create, that's going to help to have more effective change. So you start with what's the new thing you want to do uh, or the different thing you want to do and then and then think through the process improvement. Is it just me or is that actually a harder question to answer than how are we going to improve the process? It is absolutely a harder question to answer, but a necessary question. So the process improvement, like I said, we're beyond. uh, Well, I think that optimizing is important because that's just part of continuous improvement, right? But to truly get to where we need to be in our firms of, you know, moving from being more compliance focused to focusing more on advisory and consultative services that does take business transformation and process improvement is such an important part of that. And all of that should tie back to your strategy. So from my perspective, it's more of a concern, especially when you're talking to the firm leadership, you know, the managing partner, whoever it may be, if there's not an answer to that question, and ultimately it creates a lot of opportunity to create the strategy that you can then align whatever the process improvement, technology use, the rest of those things, um, you can find more alignment that makes more sense. Gang, this episode is sponsored in part by LiveFlow. Uh, LiveFlow is the easiest way to sync that QuickBooks data back and forth to your spreadsheets. You may see this actually had a big announcement lately. So this fall, G2 gave them the top spot in their fall 2023 report as the leader in the financial analysis category. That's right, they won. Number one, nice work. Uh, if you've been around my channels for a while, you've seen LifeFlow kindly. They have sponsored quite a bit of stuff. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for it, but that was probably why. I've not familiar with LifeFlow, super easy way to sync that stuff, sync your QuickBooks data back and forth with Google Sheets. They got a whole pile of templates too to make the process of building that stuff for the first time as easy as possible for you. Stuff for managing cash, AP, KPIs, like everything you can imagine. Sync that data into your existing sheets to make them smarter, get it to auto-sync or build your like custom new sheets that talk with QuickBooks totally from scratch. Uh, Pretty cool tool. Check that one out at liveflow.io. This episode is sponsored in part by the lovely folks at Copilot who know that the way that we present ourselves online is is truly, truly a reflection of our essence as super cool, modern, forward-looking accountants. Uh, And I can tell you, most of the tools that we use and the ways that, for example, tax software vendors want us to present ourselves to our clients, it is is nothing remotely cool, nothing remotely modern. And this is where Copilot comes in. It is everything you need from a client portal all in one place. Soup's modern, super impressive. They got a lot of cool little things like, what if your client doesn't want to message you in the portal? Well... You send them a message in the portal, clients can get an email. They can literally just reply to that email and that message will come back up, show up in the portal just from them sending an email. And they're not gonna tell you what that ought to look like. Like the name of the game here with Copilot is customization. The notion that you can actually customize what your clients see, all the little nav options on the left, fully customizable. What shows up on the right? They got some cool built-in stuff, but you can also extend it with external like third-party things like Airtable or Notion, embed the stuff that you want to directly into there. Even on a client by client or client group basis, you can change what people see. Because your needs today, buddy, 
listen, they may not be the same as your needs tomorrow. Now, do you want to be locked into a, a super rigid system that isn't going to adapt and, and nicely fit around the contours of your accounting firm? No, we want, we want flexibility, right? Is that too much to ask for? If you're into that kind of thing, check out the link to Copilot in the show notes. Okay, so a lot of listeners to this pod are small firm folks like I was. Mm-hmm. Ariana, let's say mm-hmm. you're going out. You've got now this accounting, tax and accounting practice with 10 people. And yep. you are kind of painting the picture of the vision for this firm and trying to, I don't know, create that, I guess, vision that everybody can get behind. I can understand the process of figuring out like how to identify process improvement opportunities and all of that. But what does the process look like for uh, getting to a, I don't know, a quote unquote right answer or a well-aligned answer for what we're going to do next? Is it like we're looking at our service offerings? Like, like what does that, I don't know, that process to me feels more abstract to figure that out. Yeah. So we always uh, start with a vision and the strategic plan, um, even if we're doing a process improvement engagement, because you have to understand, and I know it's hard to vision out five years from now. I think with the, just the pace of change, that's hard to do, but we need to at least set our intent and look at creating our own certainty for, let's say the next three years, what would a vision look like? What do we want to be true for our organization, no matter what the size three years from now? And then from there, it's what are the best next steps that we need to take? We usually have the conversation in the five areas that I mentioned earlier for leadership, process, talent, technology, and growth. And once you can understand what your vision is and what the next best steps are that we can take forward to help achieve that, those things start to become more clear. And it's a great thought exercise, again, of looking at the integration between those five areas, because you might find that something that you thought was a process initiative is actually more of a technology initiative, or maybe it's a training initiative that you need to be focused on. So um, again, by setting a vision looking at those five areas and then saying, what are our best next steps forward? Sometimes you can look at it for the year. Sometimes you just need to look at it by quarter. Um, That can help to provide that additional insight and direction. And then you can start to drill down to, okay, what processes support that? What technology supports Mm. that? So that helps to um, uh, put it in a way that helps people to think through it, but also to stretch their thinking and challenge uh, things because you don't want to build a plan just on where you are today. You truly want to build a plan for where you're trying to grow to, again, no matter what the firm size. Yeah, and I think a hard thing to balance is uh, like the intentionality of the change. Like if a new tool comes out or a new AI thing comes out where yep. it's like, oh, this is going to save us a bunch of time. Like uh, if we overthink all of this and think like, okay, it's like, I don't know, I could see I could see a situation where you are kind of overthinking how all this stuff comes together when it's like, oh no, we can just like, my 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 brain is like, oh, I can just bolt this thing on. It's going to save us time. Like, is that problematic? How do you prioritize those things? Um, I think when you have, so we see firms get caught up in shiny object, object syndrome. I'm a full supporter of always looking at what are the new solutions out there? How can we make sure that we're leveraging those? Because we don't want to get stuck because then you just start to fall behind and ultimately run the risk of becoming irrelevant. But if you have a strategic plan and a vision for where you're going, you're going to know what the best fit is for your organization. I think one of the struggles that firms run into is with the shiny object syndrome is that sure, that may 
that solution may have some awesome capabilities, but are you going to fix something over here when you bolt that on, but break something over mm. there? So maybe it helps you for process, but it's a pain point for your people. Mm. Oh, now. Gosh. Maybe it's actually going to cause uh, challenges to your growth plan and the way that you want to grow because of the way that that technology uh has you doing different processes and things like that. So that's why I think the more holistic approach, and again, it doesn't have to be um, strategic planning or visioning should never be something that holds you back. It should be something that allows you to accelerate the progress in, in your business. Uh, you said something there that probably triggered people, the, the whole like friction of technology change on your people and how that impacts them. And I know a lot of mm -hmm. folks a lot of folks who are honestly like wired similar to me where they want to like be really agile and like change these things. And, um, they have that, I guess, entrepreneurial mindset and it just exhausts everybody else. Um, mm -hmm. and so you kind of hit this, like what feels like this limit of how much change you can actually run through, uh, your team without them getting exhausted. And so folks end up in this point where they're like, do I just need to go out and like hire folks who have a greater appetite for change and can thrive in that? Mm -hmm. Do I need to somehow like shift the culture with the people I have? Like what would your advice be to those folks who have that point of friction with their teams? I think that change fatigue is a real thing. Um, again, with spending the majority of my time helping firms change and again, significant transformational change. One of the things um, that I've learned is that if you know how, if you learn how to change well, you can reduce the friction mm. that comes along with change. And so really understanding organizationally uh, is one thing, but at the heart of change is really people and emotions and feelings. And that's why people end up getting so fatigued. But what I find is that in the profession, we typically don't want to talk about those feelings yeah. that are associated with change. Um, when I went through my ProSci Change Management Practitioner Certification, one of the things that really stuck out was the fact that organizations don't change. It's people and individuals that change, and that's what drives organizational change. And so with that, if we can understand more of the what's in it, if we can explain more of the what's in it for me to people, if we can talk more about um some of the natural resistance, we just want people to buy in most of the time instead of taking that pause and addressing the reasons why they may not be bought in yet. Answering the why questions of why is this going to be better? Why do we need to change? And why will this be better than what we were doing before? And really looking at change on the individual level instead of just organizationally is one of the steps that you can take to changing well. I don't think um, that it's about getting different people. People are capable of change. They may have different approaches to changing, but it's really saying how is an organization with our people on more of a one-to-one -one basis, do we change well so that the organization can, can move forward and support people through that change? And obviously we can't stop changing because as soon as we stop changing, we start falling behind. We run the risk, as I said earlier, of becoming irrelevant. So not changing isn't an option. It's how do we change well? Yeah, like that framing of change changing well like almost optimizing for um i don't know or maybe doing it in a more human way so it's not quite such an exhausting process um gang this episode sponsored in part by team up who helps you recruit top 
Filipino accountants without any zero ongoing monthly fees. They can source accountants with experience working at US or Australian firms. People who are familiar with stuff like Zero, QBO, Dex, they can find them for you. They can also recruit specialist roles like a team lead, people with leadership experience, even US tax specialists. Wow, we, the most talented and ambitious accountants in the Philippines, wanna work with you directly, not through an outsourcing company for two main reasons. One, they don't wanna give a big chunk of their salary to a middleman, oftentimes upwards of 50%, and they wanna build a long lasting relationship with their employer. Oh. These are the people TeamUp can recruit for you for a flat one-time fee and then connect you with an affordable employer of record as well if you need help with payroll and compliance. Learn more at their site, hireteamup.com and get on their newsletter for quick tips on managing overseas teams. Stuff like cultural miscommunications, best practices, everything you need to know to get started hiring offshore. You already know I'm down with offshore hiring. Learn more at hireteamup.com. This episode is sponsored in part by the fine folks at Cloud Accountant Staffing. Do you hire accountants? Bless your little heart. Uh, not the best part of the job, in my opinion. Not something I ever enjoyed. Well, listen, you can build your accounting dream team with talented offshore accountants in the Philippines that work 100% full-time for your firm. Their accountants aren't freelancing or contracting for multiple firms. They're all yours. They work exclusively for you and are incentivized to stay with you and your team long-term. They're not going to get swiped. Cloud Account Staffing is 100% dedicated to the accounting industry and founded by a former accounting firm owner that understands your business, knows your pain points. They had to hire some accountants and they said, you know what? We're going to build our own pipeline in the Philippines. Going to pull in some super talented people and then open that up to other firms. Basically, that's the story. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about staffing, building more resilient staffing pipelines for your firms. I, I had staff in the Philippines, I, like totally red pilled me to like, oh geez, like we need to globalize the way that we get our work done. Uh, check these folks out. Link in the show description, cloudaccountantstaffing.com. You touched on some ideas there of like in a practical way, how to make that a human first process. I'd love it if you could dig into that maybe a little more of like practically what does it look like within your team to like enable a good version of change and maybe a more human way which can be uncomfortable for us and maybe something that we've never done before. Um when oftentimes I it seems like maybe some of the friction comes from the fact that you the owner or you know whatever your role is, may not have exactly the same incentives as the folks who you're trying to get to change. So like in a small firm, if this is going to increase the bottom line or make them more efficient, mm -hmm. like ultimately does that person have the same incentives as you? Like, is there, I don't know, commission structure or something mm -hmm. like that? Like what is, I don't know, what are some, I guess, practical right and wrong ways, I guess, to approach that, that change in a more human way that, hopefully kind of gets everybody like swimming in the same direction, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the, I would say if there is a wrong way is to just have it be a top-down approach where the business owner stands up at the front of the room or on the virtual meeting and says, here's what we're going to do. So we're kicking that off on Monday because it's going to be awesome for profitability. We're going to see great numbers and our clients are going to be wowed. So everybody sitting listening to that call is like, but what does that mean for me, yeah. because all of us, including you and I, 
um, have the same question when there's a significant change of what's in it for me. That's just how we're wired as humans. And so that would be an example of how not to do it. Um, one of the more successful ways to do it, even if you have if you have a smaller organization, it may be your whole team. If you have a larger organization, it's really getting a good uh, cross section across the different levels and putting together a team that can help to um, navigate change with their peers at their levels. So when we think about change, really having it be that the human element is also making sure that it's coming from someone who can understand your perspectives. And if I'm the staff person and the business owner or managing partner is telling me about the changes that need to happen, that's where that disconnect can be that you mentioned before. But if we can help to put together that cross-functional team and provide them with the information and have the conversations around what's the impact that it makes at these different levels and have them be ambassadors for that change who can not only explain the why in a way that's relevant to the people, Um, They can also provide a good uh, feedback structure to be able to bring the feedback from people to leadership and management to make more informed change decisions. And yes, that means you actually need to talk talk to your people. But what we need to have that happening at is at um, peer-to-peer levels because you're going to have more authentic conversations or also focusing on um, supervisor to the the supervisor com- supervisors communicating to the people that report to them instead of just always having it be a message from top leadership. Yeah. So to put this through the small firm lens, let's go back to the 10, the 10 person Campbell and co hypothetical firm. Mm-hmm. Let's say yeah. you go to, we're going to digital next week. You go to digital, you see there's some vendor there and you're like, Oh man, this is sweet. This would solve so many of my problems. We're all excited about this. How do you, as you know, the managing partner or whatever, when you have that energy, what is the, and let's think in a small firm setting, like what is the best way to bring that back in a way that feels, I don't know, like helpful to everyone rather than you'd like kicking the door down and being like, awesome, we got to do this in the next month. Because that's always the risk. When the leader goes to the conference, yeah. you know when they get back. I know, right? They're about to start wrecking shop yeah. with all the ideas for sure. Um, so a tool that we always share, uh, in our community meetings, as well as our presentations when, um, my fellow consultants and I are speaking at different places, uh, throughout the year, we call it the take it back tool. So identifying while you're actually at the conference, what are the things that you want to take back? Why do you want to take it back? And it has to be more than just, it's a shiny new object. What's your actual why? How does that tie to strategy? And who do you need to take it back to and by when? So just framing your thinking throughout, you know, whatever conference you're attending is uh, really important. But ideally, being able to have a debrief once you get back to your firm, and it could be if you're in a smaller organization, you're pulling, you know, an all-team meeting, or you've identified here are the five people on my 10 people team that I want to make sure that um, I'm sharing this information with. So that first of all, you're getting it out of your head because the information can be a silo. um, And sometimes it doesn't make it back from the conference, but also so that you're not just coming back and sharing the different exciting ideas to a variety of different people, Mm -hmm. really taking that time to sit down and to have an intentional debrief and conversation about that, hopefully leveraging your take it back tool, because you could have all those conversations at once. And then saying, what could be our strategic approach to looking at how these ideas are interrelated or how this single really exciting idea ties to our overall overall strategy? 
which again gets back to the importance of having a strategic plan um, and vision because then you can actually run those exciting ideas through that lens and say, does this really fit? Does this really make sense? And again, if we use this tool and it's super exciting because it's in line with our strategy and it's going to solve all these things, what are we going to do differently with the capacity that we Mm. gain? And so if you're having a conversation like that before you dive into doing all the things, again, no matter what your farm size, that is going to help um, those ideas uh, really take hold and be more productive. Okay. So you've done a ton of this with different different firms, and I love how um, I honestly I think my brain is like the polar opposite to yours, where you have like this framework that I'm super jealous of, of like this very practical like methodology of thinking through this stuff. Uh, so, of you know the work that you've done and what you've seen in the wild working with different firms, give us like what is like your top. It could be change management. It could be process improvement. Like what is a a nugget of advice that you're super excited about? Either something new or something that most firms are still getting wrong. Like what's something that like really gets you jazzed right now? So I would say the thing that I'm most jazzed about is within our process circle community. So that is leaders from different firms who are focused on leading Uh, process improvement within their organizations. Um, It's really the evolving intersection of process improvement, project management, and change management, and realizing that those three things are interconnected. I would say that process improvement has some good traction within the profession. Uh, We're still trying to figure out change management, especially the people side Mm -hmm. of it. Like, people side of it that can get, that can make people nervous, but the project management side of it and really realizing how, when you put those three different parts together, you can really do all of them more effectively. I'm excited about those conversations. I'm excited about being able to help farms with that. Um, my colleague, Amanda Wilkie and I, uh, she's the co-facilitator for the process circle, um, being able to talk to firms about how they are not only implementing that in their strategies, but also looking at what different roles might we need in order to do that well. And again, no matter what size firm you have, thinking about what's our approach to process improvement, what's our approach to project management, and what's our approach to change management, and how are those working together? Like as a business leader, am I thinking about those three things together? Am I evangelizing that to my team? Am I empowering them to be able to focus on all three of those areas? Heck, have I even defined what the three of those mean for our organization? It starts to, we start to think about things differently, ask different questions and make progress in new and different ways. And that makes me super excited. Very cool. Yeah, I think the, the have you even defined those three things? Like, I think that's probably what just punched a lot of people in the face. Uh, something more involved than like coming back from the conference and telling Bill and Tracy to get started on this. Uh, that's exactly it. Any, any, uh, okay, AI. I gotta ask you about AI before we go. Any yeah. like non-obvious hot takes on AI or you think maybe the discussion is going here, but you think... Uh, reality may be something else. Anything you see in there? Um, I think that as far as AI is concerned, that obviously there continues to be a lot of opportunity. I think that related to the profession, continuing to define what it actually means 
there's a ton of opportunity there. But then I also think that AI and strategy, just as a technology strategy used to be a foreign idea, I think really digging more deeply into, again, how can we leverage AI in a way that's unique to our organization? Mm -hmm. And how can we make the different pieces work together well, instead of just taking a -a whack-a-mole approach. I think that the organizations who are doubling down on figuring that out, I'm not saying that it's easy, but I think that it is necessary. Um, That's when they're really going to see the exponential compound benefits of whatever AI they're choosing to leverage. Have you seen the meme where I think it's from a made from TV commercial where the guy like slaps a piece of tape or something over this thing that's leaking water and it like, like stops the leak. I feel like that is AI right now. Like we're just looking at everything in the accounting profession, like, oh, pipeline. Oh, this bad process. Oh, and it's like, we're just slapping AI on it. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's also allowing people to maybe in some cases um, test it, dip their toes in the water, not be as scared of it. And I think that that's beneficial. But I think just as we've seen the evolution from efficiency to consistency to capacity, AI Um, approaches are going to continue to evolve. And I think we're just in the very beginning. I think that firms also are going to need to start taking more uh, consideration and intentionality around what do we need it to do for us, like coming to the table with here are the problems that we're trying to solve from an integrated approach. How can you help us solve that? Instead of it being the the solution providers saying, um, here's just all the things we can do. I think more of a partnership. And I think the solution providers are ready for that as well. It's just bringing those pieces together. Yeah. Cool. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Let's Ride this promo pony out of here. Where can people find you if they wanted to work with you, if they want to work with Boomer? Like, where could they find you? Absolutely. So boomer.com is one of the best places to check to learn about our services. What a great domain, by the way. Yeah. What a killer domain to have. It it is. That's because we got in on it back in the day. (laughs) You know, we are that that established that we could have that domain. Uh. But um, we're also on all the socials. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter, well, the the site formerly known as Twitter, yeah. X, and uh, LinkedIn, all of those places. But also um, just reaching out, uh, going to the website and reaching out via email is always a great way to dive into any of these things more. So appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast and to have a conversation with you. Um, all good things for firms to be keeping in mind. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming and hanging today. If you got any questions or thoughts, drop them in the comments. Keep the discussion going. I'll see you in the next one. 